You're listening to a message from New Life Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Thank you, Renee. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. It really is good to see you this morning. Many of you know that we've been in a series titled Family Life. We've tried to cover all different kinds of subjects. We've talked about uh, marriage. We've talked about parenting. We've talked about what it is to live that Christian life being single in the culture that you're part of today. Last week, we talked about how our words affect us in our homes, in our relationships, And one of the other subjects that has been something that I know we don't talk about much in church, but we need to, it has to do with our sexuality. It has to do with our gender. The Bible spends so much time and talks about our identity in Jesus Christ. And so today, I know know this because I sit with people often that are struggling with things in their family, struggling with things in their home. It has to do with brokenness. It has to do with things that, and ways that they've been treated. In, in so many different ways that has caused that brokenness. And so today, I, I've asked uh, Shannon Rance. Many of you know Shannon. Shannon is our worship leader. So, uh, Shannon, we're so glad you lead worship here. You do just, you're just a great job. Thank you. And uh, Shannon and Brian and her three boys are just a great gift to us. I am so thankful that they're part of this church community. They're part of our church family. I don't know if you know this, Shannon is a licensed professional counselor who serves adults struggling with gender identity and sexuality. Uh, she also is the director of Come Arise Ministries, which offers education for those struggling with gender and sexuality. And today, she's going to be sharing about gender identity and how to experience restoration according to God's word, mm. the identity that we have in Jesus. And so to, during, uh, during uh, Shannon's message today, she will be sharing on some sensitive subjects pertaining to gender and sexuality. So if there are any smaller kids here, we just want to let parents know that. But I think it's so appropriate. It's so right. And uh, we need to have these kinds of conversations. Shannon is a great leader. Uh, she's, she's actually a little happier today than she was yesterday uh, because she is a Chicago Cubs fan. Woo! And so now in the World Series. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> they beat my Dodgers, by the way. I'm just wanting you to know that. So, 71 yeah, it's years. it's been a long time coming. Uh, so uh, that's, that, that's so good. But Shannon is just a blessing, great mm-hmm. leader, um, great, uh, great worship leader, and does so many things well for us. And we're thankful to be able to introduce her today. So Shannon, come and share. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's definitely such an honor to share with you in this way this morning. As Pastor Ron was sharing, we're going to be speaking about gender identity today and kind of breaking that down and seeing what, what more there is for us there. And in that, there are two perspectives that I want to weave together for us this morning. And the first one comes out of my personal journey. So this is little Shannon. And if you would have met me back then, you would have seen a quiet, reserved, introverted, which are all still true today. That is my true nature. I'm very introverted. You also would have seen a very athletic tomboy. I was called boy more times than I could even count. That was definitely my countenance. I hated wearing dresses. I hated the tights even more. And the color pink literally made me nauseous. I'm not even kidding. It was, I had a visceral reaction to it. So those were some examples of how I was living out some of my gender at that point. And if, um, if you take note to this next picture, athletics were a huge part of my life. So you would have noticed that. I was on the ball field. I lived on the ball field. It was a huge place for me to uh, have some self-confidence. But if you look at my middle picture there, that's my middle school, seventh grade picture, sporting the mullet, as was popular uh, in the late 80s. Um, but, you know, what I tended to notice is that while a lot of my peers and my girls 
uh, around me, they were emulating this picture. So perhaps they were trying to put on this. (laughs) And what I was going for looked a little bit like this. So that kind of reflects to you that that something was going on in little Shannon, and I didn't quite understand all of what that was, but um, the struggle was very real. So what you may not have known about me, I may not have shown to you, was that this little girl was suffering. She longed to be a boy, and not just a little bit, but ached in my very core. I hated being a girl, and someone made a mistake. I felt like I was in the wrong body. And that was a very painful experience for me. My gender felt very fractured, and I didn't understand. I could not relate to girls around me. And while I was young, I also started to experience sexual abuse from a male in my life that I absolutely should have been able to trust. So now you have this little girl who hates being a girl, despises it, and now she's unsafe. So what do you think I did? Shut it down. Shut it down. You're not going to see any vulnerability in me. I'm not going to give away any control, and I'm going to try my best to put on masculinity because that's what feels safe. And when attraction started surfacing, for me, I felt like one of the boys. I didn't feel like one of the girls. And as I felt like one of the boys, when attraction started to surface, where was the mystery for me? The mystery for me were in the girls. And I started to experience the same-sex attraction. It's very confusing for a young kiddo. Didn't understand it. All I knew was they felt very opposite to me. And I was drawn towards that. I longed to be accepted. I longed to be loved. I longed to be comforted. Carrying around that much pain and that much shame in my life made me very socially awkward. So I had a hard time having a conversation. It was difficult for me because I didn't feel settled at all. I was very confused, very depressed, and very suicidal. These were dark years. When I think about my childhood, the bright spot that I have is softball. That's my bright spot because I didn't know. I didn't know there was a God. I didn't know there was a personal God who created me without mistake and who loved me. And when you don't know that, when you don't know that, that changes a person. Your hope is very light. There's not much that propels you forward. There's not much to look forward to. When I was 15, I was desperate enough to get some help, so I sought out a mental health professional. And as I sat with her, I was sharing with her my story. It was the first time I had ever spoken about my story. And she began to speak over me, and she said, Shannon, you know, you are a lesbian. And as soon as you embrace that identity for yourself, you're going to feel happy. And for me, to be honest, I felt relieved in that moment because it gave me words. It gave me an identity that I was super desperate for. But she also spoke an identity over me that she had no right speaking over me. And I took hold of it and wrestled with it many, many years. Friends, we have to be careful of the words 
that we speak over one another, especially when it pertains to identity. Especially. It's almost like holy, sacred ground (laughs) when we're talking about core identity. So clearly, I stand before you today changed. Some shifts have happened in my life because God chose to not leave me there. And he began to pursue me relentlessly. And I'm saying relentless because I was like this. I don't believe there is a God. There's no way there's a God with all this pain in the world. I wasn't just open (laughs) to receiving him. I fought him. And he pursued me again and again. And I wish I could share all of the ways in which he has done that. Um, It's been really powerful and humbling and beautiful. But in that pursuit, he saved my soul. He saved my soul, my life, my very life. And that is why I'm able to stand here and worship with you all. Because he saved me. And I feel it in every fiber of my being. So this process of gender identity, this has been a very painful one. And maybe you sit here this morning and you can't quite relate to the fullness of where I have felt my brokenness in gender. But I think we all can relate in the area of some insecurity within our gender. Different seasons of our life. So that is one perspective that I bring because it's what I know. It's what I've lived through, and that's my personal journey. The second perspective that I want to offer this morning is from the Word of God, is from Scripture. And there's a beautiful foundation, I would say a critical foundation, that he's offered to us as we think about gender. So these are foundational principles. So one is God is the creator, that he designs with specific purpose and intent. As we read in Colossians 1, it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and unseen, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. So that gives a really good insight into what What could be happening on the Father's behalf as he designs? We are created for him. We are also his creation. His, or our gender, our gender as men and women is his creation. He's not surprised by this. (laughs) He created it. As we read in Genesis, so God created mankind in his own image In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, for some of us, this can be a pretty common verse. But can we just reflect for a second on how amazing this verse is? That he created us in his image, that we have his imprint on us. How incredible and thoughtful is our creator And that he didn't just make one gender, he made two (laughs) in his image, male and female. It's really powerful. Another foundational principle is that God's perfect plan, even in all his glory, became distorted. And that is when shame entered in. When we look at Genesis 3, with Adam and Eve in the garden, and the Lord God called to man, where are you? And Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, and I was naked, and so I hid. That's shame. That's when shame entered. And that's how we still respond today. When we feel shame inside of us, we want to hide. We don't want to talk about it. We want to lock it up in a dark closet. Shame. The very essence of us feels unacceptable. That's shame. 
And in that, I think that can keep us oftentimes from speaking out our stories and receiving healing. So these principles are so key because when gender identity maybe becomes cloudy or uncertain or even just unsure of how to press into femininity or masculinity, we've been given a gift, a gift of how the creator communicates with us and says, I've given you this gift to show you. I've created with specific intent. You're not a mistake. See how we can fight those lies with the word of God. It's powerful. So what is gender identity? So I want you to think about this for a moment. I'm going to ask a question, and I don't want you to answer it out loud. Just inside of yourself. How do you feel in your own skin? Do you feel masculine? Do you feel feminine? Do you feel male or do you feel female? Or do you feel some variance of that inside of yourself? Or a blend? Gender identity is how you experience yourself as male or female including how masculine and feminine you feel. So again, it's a, it's a subjective term, gender identity. It's how it resonates within your own body, feminine or masculinity. Again, why it's so critical to have the word of God as a centering point of what identity is when there's a subjective piece in the mix. So what influences gender identity? What perhaps influenced the thoughts that were just now coming through your mind about your own gender identity? I think one area that comes to mind right away is our spiritual nature, right? So that's where we talk about the imprint of God. He's imprinted on us gender. He's imprinted on us gender identity created in his image. I think another aspect to that spiritual nature is our sinful nature. And that is a part of our humanity. That is a part of how you and I walk today. So we have a sinful nature about us that we wrestle with and war against. It's spiritual in nature. And when we talk about and explore gender, gender doesn't get off the hook. (laughs) It's not immune to our sinful nature. So I tend to ask questions of how then. If I wrestle with the sinful nature, and that's a part of how I walk in my humanity, how might my sinful nature impact how I perceive myself in my femininity or in your masculinity? Do you think the enemy could have a little heyday with that? Absolutely. Do you think the enemy is having a heyday with that in our culture? Yeah. It's getting pretty cloudy. Pretty cloudy. I think another aspect that can influence our gender identity is the biological component as he created us. And there's many different factors But when I say biological or genetic influences that impact our gender, I'm thinking about chromosomes, thinking about DNA, I'm thinking about hormones, I'm thinking about an intersex condition where the biological sex is not obvious and there's a blend of physicality there. I'm thinking about the rate in which you developed growing up. Some of us developed really fast. Some of us developed slow. You had no control over that. That's biological. And that can impact how we feel in our bodies as men and women. I think about physical characteristics and body type. I think about disabilities and how that impacts how we feel in our bodies. I think about temperaments. 
which is another imprint the Lord's given us, how we're wired, our bent. Not personality, that, there's some fluidity there, but temperament. That can impact how we feel as men and women. Another aspect that can influence our gender is the environment, environmental influences. And this is, this is one we tend to talk about more so. So what have been your experience in positive or negative with men in your life, with women in your life? And how has that impacted your femininity, your masculinity? So for me in my story, you hear a lot of that, that I was negatively impacted by some men in my life, which made me believe that my femininity was bad. I want to shut it down, right? So that's an example. This is a really helpful exercise to do if you're wanting to learn more about your gender story or your gender identity is what are some of these influences? Why do I feel the way that I feel in my femininity or my masculinity? What have been some of the pieces that I just haven't been able to connect before? And a lot of those experiences that we internalize can get played out in what I refer to as secondary gender expressions. So a secondary gender expression can be all sorts of things. These can be stereotypes, cultural expectations, body types, family traditions, mannerisms, gender roles, values. These are all the ways in which we express our gender identity, all the ways in which we express femininity or masculinity. Some of these are very dear to us and hold a lot of meaningful value that we should continue holding. And some of these have been a really heavy burden that have not offered life. And we've been trying to fill or force, and it's not been from the Father. It's been from our culture. Our culture's telling us, you need to fill this as a man. You need to be like this as a woman, right? So our culture for women, you know, our culture, our stereotype for American culture, you know, is sometimes screaming at us. You need to be petite-framed. You need to be skinny You need to be married. You need to have children. Oh, and at least two. In order to be enough. In order to be enough as a woman. Ah, heavy burdens. Lies that we place onto our femininity or lies we place onto our masculinity. Doesn't offer life. While we discern through these gender expressions, it's important to know that how we express our gender is valid, is important, but it's not the essence of gender. It's not the essence. There's a deeper, more beautiful layer to gender, so let's uncover that. The essence of gender, what scripture and his design, our bodies, what it reveals. So some of the qualities, some of the essence that I have been studying a lot of is masculinity. It, can, it carries this theme, these core beautiful attributes of strength, impact, protection, provision, authority. Some of those words are, are defined in the very words of man. For women... It's these words around nurturing, beauty, inviting, helping to give and receive life. In the very definition of woman or female, we're going to see some of those qualities there. Now here's something even more profound, which is just amazing to me, but in our physical bodies, when we look at Because of our foundation, right? That God's the creator and he creates with specific intent and purpose. Which means how our bodies 
function and live out as men and women is no mistake, is no mistake. It's with intention. So when you look at the breastplate of a man, what's reflected there is strength, protection. Amazing. It's revealing the essence of gender in the very body. When you look at the breastplate of a woman, what you see is nourishment, comfort, a vulnerability there that is not there with man. When you look at the pelvic region of a man, a part of his design is impact, is impact. If you look at the pelvic region of a woman, part of that is giving life. And giving life does not mean just having a child, by the way. We give life with our words. We give life to our dreams. We give life to our passions. We give life to our relationships. We give life as a part of the essence of being woman. And we receive life, which sometimes can be even more difficult for us to really embrace, to receive not begrudgingly, but to be opened up, as the word female means, to be opened up and receive. Now, obviously, this has to happen in the context of safe relationships. Right? So when I first started to unpack some of these words, these were not encouraging words for me. I'm thinking beauty, nurturing, inviting, what does my culture say that a woman's beauty needs to look like? No, thank you. I don't want that. That's not attractive to me. I don't want to live in that. See how I placed a stereotype of expression onto a, a core definition that doesn't fit because it's not from the father. Right? But what does the father say that the essence of femininity as it's lived in beauty is powerful. So how do we press into it? If this is the core, if this is truly the essence of gender, then how do we press into that more fully with one another, within ourselves, and before the Father? How do we do that? So restoration is what I want to unpack now. And all of these things I've, I've had to really work at. This has been a lifelong journey for me. So the first step is discernment. Discernment of those secondary genders. Which of those expressions, as I mentioned earlier, we need to hold on to because they offer life, and which do we need to let go? Because here's, here's, the, here's the problem here, is that if we take a gender expression and we make it into a gender standard, we begin to isolate people because they don't fit our cultural box. That is not the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is about being invited and welcomed in his presence as we are, in his design. I don't want to lose people. I want people to feel welcomed with us and at the foot of the cross with Jesus in their gender. So here's an example, and I'm going to use masculinity as an example because I got to share with the ladies last week, and this chart was really for Pastor James, but, you know. <laughs> so here's a, here's a classic bell curve, and the bell curve is representing stereotypical cultural expressions. So a secondary expression this is a continuum of all the ways that we can stereotypically look at masculinity. All right? So if we take someone, if we take a man in the middle of that, and we say most American men, on average, maybe in general, could relate to being competitive, non-emotional, unaffectionate, and like a fix-it handyman. That's... More so than not, maybe more men in America would resonate with that as an expression. Okay. Well, what happens 
if you have a man who doesn't fit that. And he finds himself in the fringes out here as being someone very emotional, who loves to bake pastries, who loves little purse dogs, and carries a man purse, which is also referred to as a merce, right? How does that man feel in his masculinity, in our culture? He's in the fringes. Our culture may be tempted to say, oh, he's not a man, or use some other choice words for him. But here's the thing. He is on the continuum. We're not discussing if he's a man or not. He's a man. He's a man, fully. Wholeness is available to this man. He's not half a man. He's a man. How he expresses his masculinity has some different preferences or not the majority of preferences expressed in our culture. But he's a man, fully. Now, this particular man happens to be my husband, (laughs) who I adore and love, love. And as you get to know him, you will find him to be a masculine man. He is masculine. Why? Because he is strong to endure the relationship that we have had to endure to press into faith the way that he's had to press into faith, trusting the Father that he would give us a beautiful marriage together, trusting the Father that he would one day bring me to have a mother's heart that I did not want when we first got married. He is strong. And boy, is he protective. If anyone wants to threaten our family, (laughs) you will see the rise of masculinity in Brian Rance. (laughs) Right? His impact, the way that he impacts my world, our boys, the way that he impacts relationships around him is very uh, purposeful, very creative. He's very artistic. He impacts powerfully. His authority... Masculinity. Let's not get it confused with expressions of gender. That can be preferences for us. Okay? There's so much healing there. I love oh, I just love talking about this. I can just get all fired up, but okay. So restoration also includes discovering and cooperating with the essence of our gender, right? So we're discerning through those secondary expressions, which can take quite a bit of time, but I also want us to cooperate and kind of discover, okay, so how do I press into this essence then of my femininity, of my masculinity? And here's the thing, for those of us where this topic, gender, is very tender, it's not a matter of if you have those qualities, It's not a matter of if that essence is within you. It is within you because the the designer of you says it is. It's more discovering how is it in me. How is it in me? Not according to culture, but according to you, Father, and how you've uniquely made me. I have a story about when we um, first got a dog about 11 years ago, 11, 12 years ago. And of course, it's a purse dog. <laughs> so little Toby, she's like a peek-a-pom. She's, she's really cute. And um, she's a puppy. So Brian brought her home and was taking care of her. And, and I began to just fall in love with Toby and uh, take care of her and groom her and feed her and water her and always be thinking about her. And my husband turned to me. He said, you are so nurturing. I am. I am nurturing. Because for years I had spoken over myself, I'm not nurturing. I can't have children, I'm not nurturing. To discover the ways that you are nurturing. I had to discover that. And here's what's awesome, is that once you discover that that essence lives within your gender, it allows room for it to blossom. So now, 
I had to welcome, I had to embrace, oh, I am nurturing, blasted out that lie that I'm not nurturing. And now that I allow nurturing to be a part of my gender identity, it gives it room to grow and heal and blossom to where today I absolutely feel like I'm a nurturing woman because I allowed it to be there instead of being threatened by it. Here's what's awesome in how God designed us is that with those qualities, with the essence of our gender, they also have to cooperate with each other. So men, you're not going to press into your authority without it also cooperating with protection. You don't just get to have authority over here on an island and and rule, rule your domain without it also involving protection, right? And it also involves a marriage with the fruits of the Spirit, which I think is really fascinating and amazing. So men, you get to press into authority while also pressing into impact and protection and your strength while it also having the flavor of self-control and kindness, and love that offers a really powerful, transformative masculinity, right? Women, we get to press into our femininity, let's say, around beauty that also cooperates with the fruit of the Spirit with peace. So as we're pressing into beauty for our femininity, It's not about trying to conjure up and trying to be beautiful and putting on cultural expectations. It's about pressing into beauty that offers peace, rest, knowing that we are loved from the Father. It's not a job, a work we have to do. It comes from this inner core of being at rest and peace within us. Okay, you see how that's transformative? I'm like, okay, Lord, teach me how. Teach me how to press into that. That feels attractive to me. That feels inviting to me. That feels less scary and not as threatening. Another aspect to restoration is living with gender dysphoria. So for those of us who are experiencing a lot of distress around our gender, what is gender dysphoria? Gender dysphoria is the experience, and that's a key word, is the experience of distress related to having a psychological or emotional gender identity that does not match a biological sex. So how I feel in my body is causing a lot of distress because it doesn't match up with my biological sex. Right? So little Shannon had tremendous amount of gender dysphoria. Tremendous amount. Major distress. These symptoms are insistent, consistent, and persistent throughout development for this person's life. And this is important because this is not a one-week phase. For us around little kiddos, this is not role-playing. Role-playing is so healthy and good for, for early childhood development especially. Trying on different roles of expression is healthy. That's not what I'm referring to here. What I'm referring to here is a lot of tears, a lot of sadness, a lot of conflict within that person, or maybe more isolation because they don't know how to express what they're feeling. That would have been more myself. Another important distinction is that gender dysphoria is not synonymous with transgender. Now, transgender is a pretty hot topic right now in our culture, So I just want to spend a quick minute just to kind of give a little definition to what that is so that we can be a more educated people to love people better in that place. So transgender, what is transgender then? Transgender is an umbrella term. That's the key I want you to take away. Transgender is an umbrella term. For the many ways in which people might experience or express or live out their gender identities differently from people who sense a gender identity that's congruent 
with their biological sex. So transgendered person would experience their gender identity being incongruent, possibly, with their biological sex. Okay? And this people group, the trans community, I have a tremendous amount of compassion for. Because their journey is so hard. It's difficult. Can you imagine what it feels like to not feel at home in your body, in your gender, to feel lost in that, to feel trapped in that? This is painful, painful, painful. And so the compassion that I have for this people group, um, typically, and this is something I like to, to make mention of, is typically this people group are not wanting center stage. Their whole journey, their whole desire is belonging. They're wanting to belong. They're wanting to not stick out. They're wanting to feel at home, right? And so, you know, some people in our culture can desire center stage, but the majority of this people group are not pleased. Like, we just want to blend in for once. We want to feel like we belong here, okay? So... Let's, let's exercise the, the heart of Jesus with this people group. That they're navigating some really tough decisions. Really tough. That aren't so cut and dry sometimes. One word I want to point out to you is the word eunuch. Which is on the right side, towards the middle. So eunuch, in modern day terms, can be referred to as a transgendered person. In biblical terms, Jesus talked about eunuchs. And specifically in Matthew 19, he uses the word eunuch. And he was referring to a man at this point who was either castrated or had a reproductive birth defect, like an intersex condition perhaps, or one who was living celibate, or one who was, who was propelled or choosing not to marry a woman. Right, so here's a person identified as a eunuch. And here's the passage that I love, love to explore within the trans community. And that's in Acts 8. Here we have Philip, a disciple of Jesus, who was asked by an angel, really. The Lord came to him and told him, please go and, and meet with this Ethiopian eunuch. So Philip does, and he finds the eunuch in an interesting posture. He's trying to read scripture. Trying, I think it was the prophet Isaiah. He was trying to read and discern. What does this say for me? And he, and he can't discern, so he asks Philip, can you help me discern what this is saying? Philip hops up in the chariot, and they're talking. And Philip, what Philip does He takes an opportunity, and he says, I'm going to talk to him about Jesus. So he begins to tell him about Jesus, the gospel, the good news. And you know what the eunuch, his response was, I want more. Tell me more. And we find him here. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way? What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. His life was changed. Here's what I love about this passage. Is did the eunuch have to change his gender identity to get baptized? No. What can stand in the way? (laughs) Did he have to change his physicality Did he have to alter his body to be accepted by Jesus? 
No. That's the hope, you guys. That's the living, breathing gospel that Jesus welcomes, he invites. And it's not to say he's not going to press on some areas along the way. He will. Trust me. He will. But it's from a really beautiful, good intention that the heart wants to transform. He says, come as you are. Nothing can stand in the way. Receive me. Receive my living water. That's the gospel. That's the Jesus we have. That's the Jesus we get to serve. Oh, so good. The last bullet that I feel is the most critical one for us as we press into our gender is to bind our deepest core around our identity in Christ. This is so critical because for someone like me, where gender identity is shaky and I'm not sure how to press in and everything's new and scary, the Lord says there's a deeper core to me, a deeper identity that I could be rooted in so that I can live. So that I can live. The suicide rate within this population of folks struggling with gender and sexuality is huge. It's so high, too, too high. Because there's not a rooted hope in us to say, I can still live, I have a purpose. And a God who loves me, even if I don't get this gender stuff, even if it's hard for me, even if I don't know what to embrace, there's a deeper core to me of where I can be rooted, and that's the identity of Christ. And for me, this question that I had to ask in that identity is, Lord, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Because I want to speak over myself that I'm masculine, that I'm a mistake, that I'm disgusting, that you don't know what to do with me. And when you hear the Father speak over you, (laughs) you are my child. I did not make a mistake. I've redeemed you. I have rescued you. I have chosen you. And I love you. Father, I can live off that. (laughs) I can live off that. That's what sustains me. That's what sustains me. And that's what we can help show to other people. And that's what we need to have rooted in us when gender feels shaky. I want to close with this last picture because these are my children. (laughs) And they are living, breathing promises that I would be standing before you married to a man, being able to share in beautiful intimacy being able to have children together. You guys, this was not in the cards for me. That's the God we serve. And if you can relate to my story and there's tenderness here, please don't parallel your journey, your unique journey along with mine. This was the journey that the Lord had to take me through and the healing he wanted to pour over me. And I'm so grateful I'm so grateful. It all points back to the Father because his true heart, his true heart for all of us is restoration. That's what he's about. That's who he is. Amen? What a gift. What a gift, Shannon. Thank you for your courage, your story, sharing that with us. What an amazing, amazing gift. 
You're so loved, and we're so appreciative of you and Brian and the boys and the gift that they are to us. And I know Brian's probably around here. He's probably with the boys somewhere. Yeah, he's but taking Brian, care of the thank you. Um, <laughs> Brian, is a, Brian is a man's man. He is. Uh-huh. And to be able to spend time with him has been a blessing for me. One of the things that we've been able to talk about, we've, been, we've had this discussion, and we've um, talked about a few things, but one of the things that we've talked about is how the church has been silent in this area of sexuality and gender identification. And we have let, in many ways, we've let the world define Mm -hmm. in a non-biblical way who we are on this planet. And that's why we have to talk about this. We have to go to God's word. We have to have Mm -hmm. the narrative, the story, the testimony of who God has set free Mm -hmm. in different ways. He's set us free but it's through the identity we have in Jesus Christ. Yes. Jesus is the restorer. Yes. He is the redeemer. He is the healer. Yes. And that's Amen. where we come. We Amen. come right to that place and say, God, we need you to restore us. We need you to make us right. There have been more brokenness and more woundedness has come from a non-biblical understanding of our sexuality. Mm. Look around the world today. We're broken. And this needs to be made right through Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and understanding his word. Mm -hmm. And when the church has spoken, and this saddens me, Mm -hmm. it's been out of fear. It's been out of anger. Uh It's been out of protest. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't in my my evaluation. Mm -hmm. It hasn't come in love and with understanding and saying it's in Jesus Christ that all of us men, women, are healed and restored to wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. So thanks for sharing. Thank you. Would you let Shannon know you appreciate it? Thank you, Shannon. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.